policy director for the nonpartisan committee for a responsible federal budget, also an econ professor at Johns Hopkins. It's good to have you, Mark. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So I read through all your analysis, and basically it shows that canceling this student loan debt for folks would undermine the uh, inflationary work that the uh, Inflation Reduction Act uh, is set to do and what the administration wants it to do. Why? Why do they cancel each other out? Well, so the Inflation Reduction Act saves maybe $300 billion in the first 10 years. If we do cancel $10,000 of debt and just extend the pause a few months, we're going to be at about that much in terms of new costs. So all the deficit reduction is going to be wiped out. At the same time, we're probably going to do more to increase inflation from debt cancellation than any inflation reduction from, from the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, so I want to get to the, the second point you made, and that is, you know, what is inflationary and what is disinflationary. So there, there are a bunch of economists, I'd say Mark Zandi at Moody's, also former Labor Department economist, Heidi Sherholt, who say they think you're wrong, right? And let me talk about Sherholtz, for example, who worked in the Obama administration. She says your analysis is, quote, profoundly off base. And the reason she says that is she points to the two-plus-year moratorium we've already had on student debt payment. And she says basically folks have had this money in their pockets for two-plus years, and so canceling the student loan debt would not effectively put more money in their pocket right now. How do you respond to that? Yeah, so what these folks are doing is they're playing a baseline trick. They're pretending that we're going to extend this repayment pause forever. And it's true. Compared to extending the temporary emergency era repayment pause forever, just canceling debt and restarting payments would be disinflationary. But that's not the right comparison. The right comparison is compared to repayments starting in about a week as scheduled. Uh, this was always meant to be a temporary pause. If it's a permanent pause, it's not student debt. It's student grants. I think what is what complicates this picture, right, for the average viewer watching right now, is that they're dealing with inflation near a 40-year high. They're dealing with much more expensive groceries. Gas has come down a bit, but it's still more than what they're used to. More expensive housing, transportation, clothing, I could go on and on. So I just wonder uh, if you're concerned at the possibility that restarting these payments, right, um, in a few days, worsens that burden on Americans struggling with this inflation in this moment. That's the reality, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it's going to do. And it's not as if this is going to lift inflation from 8% to 9%. What this is going to do is make it more difficult for us to get inflation down to 2 or 3%, which is where it really should be. It's going to make the Fed's job harder, and that means it's going to increase the risk. They're going to have to drive us into a recession to get inflation under control. Pay your damn debt yourself. That's where I'm coming in at. Welcome back, everybody. Joe Biden deciding that people that make $125,000 or less, he's willing to cut $10,000 off of your student loan debt. People, pay your damn debt. You are all adults. When you signed up for the program, you knew that you would have to pay the piper in the end. You did it anyways. You chose to go that route because maybe you wanted to finish college quicker than working and doing it a little slower, paying for it yourself. So as an adult, pay your debt. You are responsible for it. 
People like myself, taxpayers, should not be responsible to pay for your education. I have four children. I went out of my way in the state of Florida to do Florida prepay. My child, my, my kids have to go to a local college and they get it taken care of. I paid for their college already. I don't need to pay for anybody else's college. We don't need $300 billion of taxpayer money just disappearing. This is the most irresponsible thing I've ever seen. You take these loans out, you pay your loans back. You think you can get away with this on a mortgage, then get away with this on credit cards? They're going to come after you legally. On a mortgage, they're going to take your house. You try not to pay your car and say, you know, you just want to have it forgiven? Guess what? The repo man's coming and he's going to snatch your car out from under you. Pay your debt or work your college off yourself. It's one or the other. If you're one of the people that goes and works all day, goes to class at night, you pay for it out of your own pocket, God bless you. You're getting a higher education. You're doing it the smartest way possible because when you graduate, you owe nobody nothing. But for everybody else that's 18 who, let's be honest, at 18, you don't truly even know what you really want to do in life. There's a small percentage of people at 18 years old that have had their hearts set on one particular profession. And they know that that is what they're here to do. That's what they want to do. So they go for it. Most people that go in there at 18 start doing their basic courses and they're not even 100% sure what they want to do. Sometimes they go in a direction and figure, ah, maybe I don't really want to do this and go into a different direction. And the student loan just keeps racking up. Now we're, because of your indecisiveness, because you don't know what you really want to do at that time, which at 18, you're a kid. I get that part of it. But we should not pay for you being uh, indecisive on what you want to be in life. We should not be paying because you just feel like the bill's too heavy. Oh, I know I signed up for it. I know I signed a legal document saying I was going to pay these people back. I know that I just got on the hook for the next 30 years of my life, but I signed it anyways. And now, uh, you know what? They need to just forgive me. I should, this education just, should just be free. I shouldn't have to pay anybody for this. It's not the way this works. Of course, anything that the Biden administration can do to further put this country uh, into debt and just make it worse off than it is already, the Biden administration is going to do. I understand why he's doing it. He's not doing it because he gives a rat's behind about your debt problems. Do you think he cares that you can't afford to pay it? He has no interest in your personal life. Where his interest lies is in your votes. See, he figures if he could take that and knock that dollar figure off, he looks like a hero. Oh, and guess what's coming up in 74 days? <laughs> yeah, election time. So you think this is probably a small way of buying votes we're going to delay your payments once again and extend that. We're also going to knock 10 grand off for you. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a used car salesman. Oh, come in, no money down. You get a ticket, drive it right off the lot. Best car we got. You know what, for you today, sir, special offer. I'm going to give you 15% off that car. You drive it off the lot today. Yeah, we're doing the same thing here. 
He's buying your votes. All you got to do is check all the D's on your boxes there. As long as you're checking all the D's, he's happy with you. I'll, get, I'll be willing to put America in a uh, financially worse position than it was in prior to this just so I can retain power so we could continue down this destructive path. That's why he's canceling student loan debt. Believe me, it has nothing to do with me or you or anybody else. They're buying your vote right now. And if you don't think that that's a reality, you don't think that politicians weigh these options out and play these games, you're not paying attention. Oh, my favorite and most wonderful idiot of all times. She's up to her same old tricks. I want to, let me set the stage. I'm going to play a couple audio clips of her back to back. Listen to them very closely, and then I'll tell you what she's doing. Here they are. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Joe. Thank you, Senator Merkley. Thank you to all of our House colleagues. I mean, we're all here for the same purpose. And uh, Representative Spanberger said it so well that this isn't just about actual impropriety, but this is about the perception of impropriety. Because in doing so, we're able to tackle two issues at once. One, legitimate concerns about conflict of interest, whether it is a member being able to have access to things like, uh, to, to things like you know, briefings that require security uh, clearances, and being able to kind of commingle both that experience and the, the ability to trade stock. Um, not only that, but also the, the consideration of having any sort of stock while you are voting uh, on legislation before the House. But then also, we are also tackling a crisis of faith in our institutions in the United States. And that exploitation of that crisis of faith is a direct threat to our democracy, as we have seen over the last two to four years. And it is our responsibility to ensure that we eliminate, again, that perception of impropriety, because it is these perceptions that can be exploited to undermine our most sacred institutions. And I apologize. I said two videos. I meant to say a video and a text message. I was thinking of something else. Anyways, you heard the audio. So remember what she said in the audio and then a tweet that she sent out in March uh, 20 of 2020. Members of Congress should not be allowed to own individual stock. We are here to serve the public, not to profiteer. It is shocking that it's even been allowed up to this point. The reason I bring this up, AOC, once again, she was due to report her 2021 finances to the House Ethics Committee 11 days ago on uh, August 13th. However, the public remains in the dark about her finances because she is late again. She's holding out. She knows that there's a grace period of 30 days until she starts getting charged a pretty much minimum minimal fine of $200 for turning them in late. So she's going to hold out until the very last day before she turns in her uh, finances. She did the same thing in 2019 and held out to the very last day before she turned it in. The very same person who you, who you just heard Talk about transparency. Talk about trust in the just in, in in Congress. The very same person is going out of her way to delay turning in her numbers, which automatically creates a distrust, and you start to wonder why. 
Is she fandangling the numbers? Does she not want you to know what's in there? Yeah, she did, does she do the same thing when it's tax time? Does she avoid? Does she go past the tax date? Does she file for extensions to keep working it out? It's amazing how hypocritical and stupid this girl is. You can't say one thing and your actions say something else. I mean, in the Democratic world, you can. Let's be honest. Democrats can literally say anything that they want to say and do the complete opposite. And in their world, that's okay. But here in the real world, where independents, conservatives, even moderate Democrats want to hold you to your word, you can't do that. But she does, just like every other one. She has a very cavalier attitude towards disclosing her own finances as opposed to her prior statements where she attacks her colleagues for doing the same thing. She also doesn't think that trading stocks, uh, that she should be allowed to or they should be able to hold stocks while they're in Congress. I would like to know, does she have any money in the stock market? And I can assure you the answer has to be yes. I don't want to hear nonsense that she doesn't invest her money for retirement later. Sometimes on government programs, depending if you've ever worked for a city or state or county, if you're part of the retirement system, that money is in stocks. That is how they're generating revenue to pay for you. Sometimes the pensions are, and then sometimes they'll have a stock option. That's how you get your retirement. Everybody that is working a 401k is trying to retire. I know Joe Biden's destroying them, but that's off topic. You're telling me this girl has no money in stocks whatsoever. Not a dime, not a dollar, not in crypto, nothing. No, I would find that very hard to believe. I don't care that much to look into her finances, but I do think that you need to point out when someone's being hypocritical and she is absolutely doing that right now. You're saying one thing, but your actions show, show something different. You're calling certain people out for doing the very thing you're doing right now. But it's okay you know, for the, for the lead squad member. It's okay for the head idiot there in New York. It's all right when they do it. God forbid. You, you know, we always say this. It doesn't bring me any pleasure saying this stuff. And I know it gets redundant and people get tired of hearing it. But if you put the shoe on the other foot... If this was a Republican lawmaker or this was a Republican congresswoman or man doing this, then the media would be going crazy. You know, they would, he's got something to hide. There's something going on. They try to make it a big, juicy story it's just to beat them down. But when the left does it, you know, it's, it's okay. It never, it's never a level playing field with these people. Not that you don't know this. You already know this. It's obvious. But it's, it, and, I, and again, it's, it's redundancy. You've heard what I'm saying so many times by so many different people before. It's just a shame that we have to keep saying it. And I think the reason that most of us do is it just blows your mind how they continually use the same tactic and it's, it's no issue for them. They never get called out. People on their side never look into it any more than that. You know, same thing with Trump. The whole situation with the Mar-a-Lago thing. You know, if you reverse that, let's not say, let's say Donald Trump was in the White House. Let's say he raided Obama's house or had the FBI raid Obama's house or he had the FBI raid Hillary's house to go get more crooked information out of her or he had the FBI raid Hunter's house. 
The, the media would be losing their mind. He should be impeached immediately. He's using this as a political weapon. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like on TV right now, on the radio right now, if that was the situation? But when Joe Biden uses the DOJ to raid Mar-a-Lago, trying to play that he didn't know, I didn't know, you know I had no knowledge of this. Well, that's even scarier that the DOJ is acting on their own that you didn't know, that, that's an even bigger problem. In which case, Garland, should you should demand his reg- resignation immediately. Because that's an even that's a, a issue all on its, onto itself. But Joe Biden sends him to do that to Trump, and instead of, my God, you can't do this to a, a former president and, and the outrage, no, the left is applauding it, saying it's justified, and uh, they want more of it. You know, so it's always a very one-sided game that we have to play, and we get tired of having to point out the reverse. But, you know, again, it just blows your mind. It just it never ends with these people. All right, DACA 2.0. It's no secret, as you've watched over the past couple years, because of Joe Biden's policies at the border, the border has been being invaded consistently for the last two years. We keep hitting new uh, heights. Every year, there are more and more illegal crossings each year. It's not slowing down. And keep in mind, too, that we don't know the actual number of people that are coming across the border. The ones that are reported are the ones that we have caught or stopped or encountered at the border. There are plenty that we do not stop or encounter at the border that get into the United States. I would venture to say you could probably add an additional half of whatever's come across that we've caught to that. So if at the end of the year we are over 2 million illegal crossings, it's probably more like three. We just don't have the numbers and there's prob- there's really no way to find them out. There's really no way to figure them out because once they're inside the country, they're going to disappear. So there's no real way. But to only make the situation worse, Biden is going out of his way. Uh, the United States is facing the prospect of a major long-term immigration headache due to the Biden administration's resettling of more than a quarter million unaccompanied children who came across the border from Mexico. Since Biden took office, 257,110 migrant children have been encountered at the nation's border. According to the data from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, children are being apprehended by Border Patrol and swiftly released to sponsors across the United States not returned to their home country to be reunited with family. The number of children who have come to the U.S. along during uh, Biden's tenure is far beyond anything seen before, including the migration surges of children during the Obama and Trump administration. While 800,000 illegal immigrants who were brought to the U.S. as children have been protected under the Obama-era DACA program, the DACA program was created in 2010 because of uh, Barack Hussein Obama. And there, you're looking at a situation now where because courts have barred new applications, children who have arrived in, uh, in the U.S. under Biden face immigration proceedings and could be removed from the co- uh, country, opening the potential for a DACA 2.0, where I guess Joe Biden and his uh, gang of misfits up top will look the data over and probably make adjustments to it and try to implement a new program where they will allow these children to stay. Uh, 
Democrats have introduced numerous bills uh, to legalize DACA. It hasn't passed as of this point. They're trying to get amnesty bills passed for anybody that crumbs across the border. More or less, they are okay with everybody coming across the southern border. They like the idea of having open borders. Main reason being, they look at all these people as potential voters. Uh, I've talked about this with you before, and I'm just going to repeat myself for the sake of, if anybody has not heard it, the hope of the Democratic Party is, we have been so good to you by allowing you to come across the border, all that it requires is that when election times come, you check the D-box, and you make sure you're voting all Democrats, and we will let you in, we will take care of you on taxpayer money, You can live the quote-unquote good life because we love you. Okay. That's what the Democratic Party is selling them. That's the pitch. Come here. You'll get amnesty. You'll be able to stay here. We have plenty of governmental programs that will help you survive here. You don't have to come with any type of money. You don't have to have any finances. You could come in and just completely suck us dry of everything and It's okay as long as you're voting democratically. And that's all that is required for you to come over here and stay in the United States. That's what's being sold. That's their their game plan. That's their hope. Where I have a little more hope is that if you generally look at the countries that these people are coming from, they're very God-fearing people. Uh, They do, religion is heavy, um, in their hearts, they're not going to agree with a lot of the things that the Democrats are for with all the craziness that's going on between uh, the whole transgender thing with uh, aborting babies up to and after birth. Uh, just just all the nonsense that the Democrats stand for, they're not going to agree with it. They're very family-oriented. Democrats want children to be raised by communities. They've just... Most of them have just left countries that are in disarray. They're run more as socialist countries. They know what it is. They can smell it a mile away. And they're not going to go put people in power who will end up mirroring what they just fled. They're not going to do that. So that's where my hope lies. Now, are you going to have some people vote for the Democratic Party? Obviously. I mean, not everybody's the same way. Everybody has a difference of opinion. So you'll have some vote for them, but you're going to have a lot of them that do not. Why do you think you're having districts that are heavy blue districts, especially in Hispanic communities? Why do you think they're voting for Republicans? Why do you think Republicans are coming out on top? Because these people that have already lived that lifestyle, they've under, already lived under that type of a dictatorship, they, don't, they smell it. They see it. They don't want to go back to that. So they're going to vote for people that are American first people that are going to keep this country what they dreamed it was originally. What their thought of the United States was, they want to still see it represented here. They don't want to see the United States fall apart like their countries did because one thing that they know, there's nowhere else to go. Where are you going to go if the United States crumbles? Where are you going to run? You're going to run to the north, to Trudeau? (laughs) Yeah, sure. You're going to go back south to your countries that have fall, uh, completely fallen apart. You're going to make that pilgrimage and go back down there. No, they have nowhere to go, which means that they're stuck. So they know that if this place crumbles, there's nowhere to go. And the same applies for us. Where do we go? If the United States crumbles, where do you go? 
Yeah, I mean, can't go overseas. It's a mess over there. England, England is is lost. You know, they're they're liberal. Any any country that you can think of, name one or two, or think of one or two solid countries that you go to yourself. Yeah, we could probably go over there and it'd be all right. I used to think prior to the pandemic, Australia might have been decent. You know, before Trudeau, Canada probably was decent. But all these new new leaders that are coming into place have the same mentality. They want to dominate the world. They want complete control. They all have this uh, social society built into their head where it's going to all work that way. They're going to be the kings. We're going to be the peasants. So there's nowhere to run to. They know that. We know that. That's why you're seeing such a switch in support from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party. All right, that wraps it up for me today. That is Thursday's episode. First-time listeners, don't miss tomorrow. I always have a fun fat fact. Try to end the week off on a funny note where I complain about either myself being fat or other things that fat people do because when fat people act fat, it's usually stupid. (laughs) So don't miss tomorrow's episode. Hope you enjoyed what you listened to. If you do, please rate and review me, especially on Apple. It does help people find me. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can go to littlejoecc.com, go to the contact section, leave me a message. If you want to check out any videos I do, they are on the website, but you can also go to YouTube, Little Joe's CC, or Rumble, Little Joe's Conservative Corner. Beyond that, have a beautiful rest of your day. We will do it again tomorrow.